Hi, I'm Dr. John Martini, and you are watching The Root of All Success, The Real Jason Duncan Show. And if you're about to want to go do something extraordinary with your life, stay tuned, because this show will blow your mind. And I am absolutely inspired to be on this show. I have so much I want to share with you. And I know that this show and all of his shows will make a difference in your life if you want to be a great, amazing, successful entrepreneur in life. Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Welcome to another edition of The Root of All Success. I am the real Jason Duncan. You can call me JD. I've got a fantastic guest. Dr. John Martini is my guest today. I feel honored that I've got somebody of his stature on the show. He is a world-renowned teacher of neurology, mindset. He's got a seven proven personal development tool that he teaches um, he's travels the world. He lives on a ship. We're going to talk about that. This guy was one of the stars of the movie, the secret and the book that came out in, uh, the mid 2000, 2006, 2007. And uh, I've got other people who've been on my show that have told me about him. And, uh, so I reached out to him and his team and I said, Hey, I would love to come on the show and talk about manifesting success. What does it mean to affirm that? How do you, how, what does success mean? And he's got some great stories that he's going to share. Now, if you're not familiar with Dr. John Martini, let me give you a little bit of background. He's a world-leading human behavior specialist. He's a researcher. He's a best-selling author, an educator, and he's the founder of the Martini Method, which is a revolutionary tool in modern psychology. He has authored 40 books. Actually, he talks about in the show, he's written probably 300, but 40 have been published, and they've been translated into 39 different languages. He's presented his insights along some of the world's most amazing people and influential people like Sir Richard Branson and Deepak Chopra. He's harnessed over five decades of research across multiple disciplines. He shares his life, his business, his financial and his relationship and leadership advice and empowerment strategies with people all over the globe. And he goes to different ports all the time from his ship and he helps them to transform their lives according to their highest values. And that really is where we're going to get to at the end of the show today. We're going to be talking about what the practical tips are for someone who wants to manifest success or fulfillment in their lives and how it has to be congruent. So please welcome to the root of all success, Dr. John Martini. Dr. Martini, welcome to the root of all success. It's an honor to have you here today. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, well, so I want to tell you, um, I told you pre-show that I was going to share this at the very beginning of our talk today, is that I I am a deep student of Napoleon Hill, a fan of The Secret, but the tr- truth is, when The Secret originally came out, I had a, um, a block against the whole idea of the Law of Attraction, a whole block against that movie. I thought it was 
woo-woo and I wasn't interested. I thought it kind of went against, frankly, I thought it was against my faith, but as it turns out, it's not. But I had this block. So in 2006, I didn't watch it. I only recently, I only recently watched it because I'm studying uh, a lot of Napoleon Hill, a lot of um, uh, Florence Scovel Shin, reading a lot of deep stuff. And so I went to an Airbnb in Pensacola, Florida for an event I was speaking at. And they had a copy of The Secret at that Airbnb. And I was like, well, this is, I have to read it now. So I read the whole book. Then I watched the movie and I made a decision. It's like, I want to reach out to everybody who was on that movie and invite them on the show to talk about success from their perspective. And as it turns out, I've got a lady I was on a podcast of, Dr. Amanda Barrientes, who mentioned your name very favorably as an influence in her life. And uh, so it all kind of came together. And now that you're sitting here on this show with me is uh, is an honor. So again, thank you for doing this. Uh, I appreciate you. So tell everybody where you are right now, because I think that was an interesting thing where you told me where you're shooting, where we're shooting this from. You're not here with me. You're actually on a boat somewhere. So tell everybody where you're at. I, I, I live on a ship. I've been living here 21 years. And we're sailing in the Mediterranean. And I left Alexandria and I'm on my way to Limassol. So I'll be in Limassol uh, in, early in the morning. Wow. How, how, what's it like uh, living on a ship? I mean, you've been doing it for a long time, so now it's normal to you. But when you, do you remember those first days getting used to that? What was that like? Extraordinary. <laughs> I haven't been able to find a better address than the where I'm at. So I, this is the best address I've been able to find. I've had homes around the world, but this has been the best address I've been able to find. It just goes around the world from the Antarctic to the Arctic, every ocean, every sea, rivers, wherever we want to go, we decide to go. I just said, let's go here. And we go there. So how do you, speaking of address, how do you receive mail? How does that work when you're living on a ship? I, I haven't received any mail for years, but I have a Houston office that gets mail. Most of that is taken care of there. I don't, I haven't even opened up mail. Don't even know about mail. I get emails, <laughs> but I get emails uh, through the internet, but I don't, I haven't, I've delegated. I learned a long time ago to delegate everything other than what you're inspired by. And so I keep it to teach, research, write, and travel. That's it. Delegate. Most of it's delegated. That's good. Delegate everything you're not inspired by. I teach a lot about delegation in my coaching practice. So that's a really good note. I'm going to make that delegate everything you're not inspired by. Um, yeah. Anything, anything that you require extrinsic motivation to do delegate. <laughs> I think that's it. That's an even more uh, succinct way to put it. That requires extrinsic motivation. Well, so let's talk about Dr. John Martini. before you were on a ship for 21 years, sailing the world, speaking, you know, changing people's lives through the power of mindset. What did, what would, what was your, what were your early days like as you got started in your life as an adult, as a professional, as an entrepreneur? Tell, tell me a little bit about the beginnings. Well, I was a long haired hippie surfer kid, uh, as a teenager. And, uh, at 17, I nearly died. And I was unconscious for three plus days. And a lady found me in a tent where I was living and tried to get some food in me, took me to the health food store. That led me to a yoga class. And the yoga class had a guest speaker named Paul C. Bragg. And Mr. Bragg, one night, one hour, one message somehow got to me and made me believe in his speech that I could overcome my learning challenges. I hadn't learned to read yet. 
So I was a week before my 18th birthday. I had learning challenges, speech impediment, and I had an arm and leg that was deformed. So I, I had a bit of a challenge as a, as a young, you know, school kid. That's why I left school. I left school at 13. And, um, but that night, I, I had a dream and a vision of standing on a balcony in front of a million people sharing a message. And uh, what's interesting, I have a, if I could show a picture of it, I'm going to show you if I can find it here. I've got a picture of that. Somebody painted that vision. I'd like to share that with you. That's the vision I saw when I was 17. So there's a million people in the square below with an iconic building of every major city around the world behind it. Now, the guy painted it on the year that he met me. This is about 12 years ago. But I got the vision when I was 17. So I had a dream at 17 to overcome my reading and learning problems and speech impediment. I guess when you have a void like that, you you really do want to have ability to speak properly. So I had a dream to overcome my learning problems and be able to speak. And I went on a journey. I had to first learn how to read. And that was an ordeal. And I started memorizing words out of a dictionary. My mom tested me on 30 words a day in order to grow vocabulary enough to finally go back to school. And then I went on. Once I learned how to read, man, I never stopped. And I just wanted to learn the greatest teachings on the face of the earth by the greatest minds who ever lived. And I've just been devouring that. I was told I would never be able to read or write. And I've now read over 30,700 books. And I've written probably 300 books. So I, I was told I'd never be able to do it. I've traveled 20 million miles in flights. And I'm, I've been blessed to be multimillionaire many times older over so everything i was told i would never be able to do in first grade i i i made it a point to make sure that that was conquered <laughs> so isn't it today funny? i just teach I, I only teach research write and travel that's it everything else is delegated i i even have a clock changer to take care of the clocks as we go from different time zones i got cleaners i got the coat i got the pilot i got the captain i got everybody doing everything. I Even my girlfriend says, you know, you haven't delegated your sex to George Clooney yet. That, that, that you're still a little slow on that one. <laughs> you could tell her, I don't need extrinsic motivation for that, baby. <laughs> it does inspire me. <laughs> well, that's, that's that, fascinating. That would be intrinsic. Yeah, that, that is definitely different. Well, so, so let me, let me ask you a question about those early days. So you dropped out of school at 13, you're, you're a hippie surfer kid. You've got, you got a speech impediment. You've got, you can't read, you're passed out for three days and you're living in this tent. Where, where were your, you said your mom ultimately helped you get your vocabulary so that you go back to school, but where were mom and dad in those early years where you made the decision to drop out? Were they present in your life at that time? Were they not present? How did they play a part in that? I had some amazing parents. I, I'm very blessed by my parents. Um, they, when they saw that I had speech impediment, I had a speech impediment starting at one and a half. I was already going to speech pathologist. Um, when I got to school, the teacher said, I don't think he's ever going to be able to read or write or communicate effectively. Hmm. So I, my, my dad said, okay, 
we need to push him into sports where he seems to be excelling. Once I got out of my braces, because I had to wear braces as a child. Once I got out of my braces, all I wanted to do is run and be on the run. And I wanted to play ball or surf. And ball was great until I turned 13. And then we moved to a small town and baseball was no longer functioning. There was no organization. And so I, I went back to surfing. And um, my parents knew that I wasn't going to do well in school. They, they just accepted that. That's not going to, academics is not going to be his thing. I mean, dad taught me how to be a little entrepreneur. When I was nine, I had to pay $7.50 a week to live at home. <laughs> he charged me a, because he said, I want you to learn how to be able to survive out there. And you need to be a smart kid. And so he taught me how to go to the neighbors and find odd jobs to do to make sure I could make enough money to pay for clothing, food, and rent. Because he said, if I make it too easy on you, you won't be prepared for the real world out there. I want you to know the real world from a young age. And so he was trying to make me street smart. He knew I wasn't going to make it academically. And also he knew I could do something with sports and just practical things. So by the time I was, you know, 13, I, I wanted to go surfing. And they didn't, they didn't say no. They said, no, you got our blessings. At 14, they actually wrote, and I could pull it up. I can show you a notarized form from in front of a notary saying, my boy is not a runaway. He's a young boy with a dream. He wants to surf the biggest waves in the world. And we're going to drop him off on the freeway. And he's going to go to California and down to Mexico. And he's going to make his way to Hawaii. That's exactly what I did. That's, uh, that's incredible. I think, I think as parents... Uh, I, I have a 22 year old son and a 20 year old daughter. And I, I think as parents, we, we try to, we try to do the best that we can, but I think the older we get and we look back at what we would have done differently, not that I would have let my 13 year old run off and do what your parents let you do. But I think that the, I think the lessons about how we encourage them to make their own way, to think properly and to not so be so focused on what our school systems are trying to produce of people that could pass tests I think I would have been a much better parent. If I had a kid now, I would be a much better and different parent than I was 22 years ago. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I asked my dad, I said, you know, what was it like to, you know, mom and dad, what was it like to drop me off on a freeway at 13? It says, we've calculated how much it would save us. It would be a fortune. So we thought that was the wisest thing. <laughs> You're terrible. That's a joke. That's a joke. But they're losing, the, they're losing the rent. That seven fifty a week had to be big. <laughs> that was you know, I'm very grateful for that because when I was nine years old, I had nine kids working for me, three kids in groups doing lawn maintenance and, and uh, yard maintenance and um, clipping hedges and doing, you know, whatever it is to make yards look good. And I was closing the deals and these kids were doing the work and I was paying them 50 cents and a quarter to do this stuff. And I was charging five bucks. So I was after paying my dad because he rented the equipment to me and uh, and the people next door across the street next door to them. I had to rent three different homes equipment, pay them their portion, pay my dad a portion. My dad said, you must save a portion of it. So I had to pay save a portion into a coin collection set into a piggy bank. And by the way, I still have that piggy bank since 1963. Wow. The same piggy bank with the same coins that my dad made me put a portion of my income into my savings. Now, they're coins, they're pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters and silver dollars. And it's a big bank. It's a little piggy bank. 
and I could probably get pretty good little fortune for that because some of them are 1905s and, you know, Buffalo nickels and all kind of stuff there. But I've never wanted to, well, I can't open. I don't have the combination. I forgot the combination. I never wanted to bust open that thing because it was a metaphor for what my dad taught me to think long-term, never think of immediate gratification. Wow. You know, I have, a, I have an interesting question about that. Your dad was collecting rent from you and he rented the equipment to you. Did he ever at any point in the future, was he saving that money for the intention of giving that back to you someday to prove like I made you save this or did he never give that back? How did that work? No, he, well, he, I mean, he was making me pay because he thought this is the real world out there. I don't want you to think you're going to get something for nothing. And, and who's to say when that's, what age that's to begin? Right. You know, what is, what is, I didn't, I didn't see it as mean, cruel or something. I didn't have any of those labels on it. I was like going, okay, it makes sense. He's got to pay for bills. That make, he made sense. It was sensible. I, I, I tried to get my kids to do that. I even dropped them off on the freeway and they just got an Uber and called back and used my American Express Centurion card. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I couldn't get them to do it. But anyway, um, <laughs> my dad was sincerely caring that prepare me for the real world out there. And I'm grateful for that. I don't have any, anything about that other than thank you to my dad. Now, they passed away, my parents, but you know, I, I fond experiences of my, my mom and dad, but they wanted me to be street smart. And I really believe that helped me when I went on my venture because I literally, I was a hitchhiking kid, that, but I met some amazing people on my journey. I got to meet Howard Hughes and I got to meet Timothy Leary and I got to meet famous surfers. I mean, I had an adventure of rock stars, Ted Nugent, BB King. I met all these kind of people as a street kid. And I learned a lot about, you know, they, BB King and, and uh, Buddy Miles actually gave me mentoring when I was sleeping on a pallet behind the Golden Bear in California in Huntington Beach. And, um, you know, Ted Nugent I partied with and Timothy Leary I smoked pot with. I mean, I, I was, a, a, you know, had an adventure as a kid. Nothing, I mean, I came close to getting stabbed and I've been shot at and I've had a few other things that go with the street life, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn anything, you know, I, I don't have any regrets. I'm grateful for that journey. So, and I'm grateful for my parents. Well, I, I love the story of how your parents um, formed who you became. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit. Cause I, ultimately I want to talk a little bit about your personal devel development tools, how a mindset works and success. We'll talk about the movie, the secret, but, but before we get into that, I want to, I want to know what that bridge was. You had, you had really great parents as you've described them who did unconventional things to make you who you are today, but there had to be some leap from that experience of barely getting educated in the, in the traditional sense, right. In the traditional sense of school, but you got educated in so many other ways, but now you, you're Dr. John Martini. you're a world traveler, world speaker, you're multi multimillionaire. You've done like, what was the bridge that led you from that experience to becoming the person that we know today? Well, meeting Paul Bragg was the first step and mentoring, you know, I, I, took advantage of listening to him for three weeks every morning. I got up at five 45 and went there instead of surfing early. I was, I went to, to learn from him. And he, uh, he gave me a lot of practical, cool stuff, particularly around health area. Cause I had a health problem at the time. 
And then I, I ended up flying back to LA, hitchhiking back to Texas, and taking a GED and miraculously passing that. I mean, miraculously passing this test. I didn't read. I, all I did is close my eyes. I'd look at the question. If I understood any of the words at all, I'd, I'd, I'd try to answer it. If I didn't, I just closed my eyes. And I would say the affirmation that Paul Bragg told me, because I told him I had a dream about being a teacher, but I don't know how to read. He said, that's not a problem, young man. I want you to say to yourself every single day that I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom and say it every single day and never miss a day in your life. And sooner or later, the cells of your body will tingle it and so will the world. So I've never missed a day in 50 plus years of saying I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom. I didn't know what that meant initially, but I did what he said. And, and I later asked my mom, what exactly is a genius? She said, well, people like Albert Einstein and Da Vinci. And so I made a commitment that I would understand and read everything that's been written about those two men. Eventually, learning how to read. But I had I, I ended up taking a GED and miraculously passing. And I thought, well, I'm going to pass tests that way <laughs> by miracles. And then I tried to take a college class and I bombed it. I got a 27. And, um, and then I really was distraught. And my mom found me in the living room crying because I thought, this dream about being a teacher is just a delusion. It's a fantasy. This is not going to happen. I'll never read. I can, all I could do is hear my first grade teacher whispering in my head, you know, he'll never read. He'll never write. He'll never communicate. He'll never thing, never go very far. But my mom was so impacted by my distraughtness, I guess. And she said something only a mom could say. She said, son, whether you become a great teacher and philosopher and travel the world like you dream, whether you go back and ride big waves or why that you, you know, go back to the streets. Your father and I are going to love you no matter what. When she said that, my hand went into a fist and I looked up and I saw that vision that I showed you. And I said to myself, I'm going to mass this thing called reading, studying, and learning. I'm going to mass this thing called teaching and philosophy and healing. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance. I'm going to pay whatever price. To give my service of love across this planet. And I was, my, my hand was into a fist and it was a determination moment where there was no turning back. There's no option. And I got up and I hugged my mom and I said, I'm going to master this thing and I'm not going to let any human being on the face of the earth stop me now, not even myself. We're going to work now. I hugged my mom. I went to my room and I got a Funk and Wagnalls dictionary out. And I made a commitment that I was going to memorize 30 words a day until that dictionary was memorized. And I accumulated 20,000 words over the next two years. And I went back and I took those classes and I eventually passed them and I eventually excelled. And then I never stopped reading to this day. I have been a reader and reader and reader and reader since. As uh, as you tell that story, I can I can see and sense the emotion and the reality of what that re that moment meant for you and how it's changed your life. Uh, as you think back to you know Paul Bragg who helped you, your mom and dad who were very instrumental in helping you, and now you've read so many books. If you had to list the top two or three books that were also as informative and 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 or not informative but formative for you and impactful, what would those two or three books be 
Uh, because I think people like us that look at you go, okay, whatever he's reading, I want to read because I want to go the same direction. Well, I tell people when people ask me, what are the two very significant books? I tell people that the two most significant books is Syntopican Volumes 1 and 2 by Mortimer Adler. Syntopicon, S-Y-N-T-O-P-I-C-O-N, by Mortimer Adler. And um, it's put out by Britannica, the Encyclopedia Britannica. And what it is, it's part of the Great Ideas series. It's the greatest thinkers of the Western world for the last 2,700 years and the most important ideas that have been contemplated by the most masterful individuals summarized into two volumes. So I consider it uh, a PhD on human existence, basically. So that, and I've read it many times, but that's to me the two most significant books. And it's not, you know, how to get rich. It's not how to, you know, be successful. It's, it's way deeper than that. And it's on the, the most significant questions that human beings ask during their life and the most significant minds in their contemplation of it, summarized. Um, it's, a, it's a mind spreader. It, it, it broadens the mind to think outside most of the cultural boxes. See, when I was, when I was 18 and I, and I came back from Hawaii and I asked my mom about what's a genius, she said Albert Einstein. And, and so she got me my first book on Albert Einstein. Actually, she bought me three books. And then I got another one by Vasari on Da Vinci. They were the first books I read. And I literally had to take the dictionary out and go through the words. But I was determined that every time I get a word I didn't know, I was going to memorize it, recite it 20 times in a sentence, and put it in application, and da-da-da, until I, methodi- I was methodical. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the root of all success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast. But they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting. You need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com 
slash dub. I love talking about this sponsor because it's oftentimes a lot of people talk about sponsors on their shows or have sponsors and they either don't use them or they might have used them once and they're not really in love with it. They just take their money. <laughs> and, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But this sponsor, this one of my sponsors of the podcast is Story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Two whys. Why? Because they're awesome. If you've ever wondered how these influencers do their Instagram reels and their TikToks and their YouTube shorts to look so amazing where they've got the zoom cuts and the pop-ups and the on-screen illustrations, whether it's cartoons or actual images or videos that get responses that people go, Ooh, I want to talk to that. If you want to know how people do that, that is exactly what story does. They take your videos and they make you look like an influencer. They make you become an influencer and they will post it for you. They'll write the captions. They'll add the relevant hashtags. They put it on the platforms that you care about the most. And after that content's posted, they take it even one step further to boost it to your past clients, your leads, or anyone that you want to target. And they even have someone log into your social media profile to engage with other people's posts to drive engagement on your profile. Story truly takes a headache away from doing social media content from start to finish. And they have a mission to help people nurture and cultivate their relationships by sharing your message digitally. And they even have an app that makes it easy to upload your content and track everywhere your video is at. And I've been using them for a long time. And I told them, I said, look, guys, I love what you're doing. I want to recommend you to everybody. You need to be a sponsor of my podcast. And so they're a co-sponsor of this podcast. And they're also the exclusive sponsor of my live webinar series, Entrepreneur Master Series, because they're that good. I tell everybody about them. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story to learn more. And that's therealjasonduncan.com slash story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Why are there two Ys? Because they're awesome. You'll get 10% off your first three months if you go to that link, therealjasonduncan.com slash story. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. But in there, Albert Einstein said something that was very significant. He said that there, I'm not a man of my family. I'm not a man of my community. I'm not a man of my city. I'm not a man of my state or my nation. I'm a citizen of the world. And then I referred back to Epictetus, who was a Greek philosopher. And he said, I'm a citizen of the world. And he referred back to Socrates and Plato. They were citizens of the world. And I thought, I want to be a citizen of the world. And so I started saying to myself at 18, that the universe is my playground. The world is my home. Every country's a room in the house. Every city is a platform to share my heart and soul. I live on a ship called the world. It goes to every country around the world. That is, that's great. So what you say to yourself, what you say to yourself, what you see for yourself, what you think about, what you feel does have an impact on your destiny. Well, and that that leads us to the, I guess, the crux of the matter. So now you are world renowned for teaching that last sentence or two that you just said about what we think about, what we bring about, what our reality, how our reality is defined. I mean, that's what you're known as. And the secret, the movie, The Secret and the book talks about that and it specifically focuses on the law of attraction i would like to know how did how did you get involved in that i mean it would seem obvious that that ronda Byrne would say yeah dr d martini is a guy that talks about this stuff let's invite him on or was there much, something more deep than that to get you involved in that movie in that project no what 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 happened was i was in las vegas speaking to i don't know maybe seven or eight thousand doctors 
and Jack Canfield was there, and Mark Victor Hansen was there. And I've known Mark since 1983. And we were having a meeting up in one of the suites, and they asked if, if I'd like to join in on this mastermind group, this transformation leadership council they were doing. And so they had their first meeting at his home in Santa Barbara, and we, we went there and met. And he invited about 35 uh, transformational leaders, you know, uh, John Gray and, and, and many of the people that were in The Secret, the movie. And they all gathered there. And Rhonda Byrne, between that first meeting and the second meeting, Rhonda Byrne contacted me and she said, John, we'd like to have you in a movie that we're doing called The Secret uh, on manifesting whatever it is. Because she had heard about me. She was from Australia and she'd seen, I'd done a lot of tours in Australia and I had a good following there. And so she wanted me involved in it because the topic was, I mean, I, I had a manifestation formula that I'd been teaching. I even taught Wayne Dyer that way back years ago, you know, in the 80s. So that's been a, a, a piece of the puzzle. So when the secret came along, it was it was resonant. It was a similar overlapping material. And um, I was a little bit more action-oriented than what the movie was about. Of course, most everybody else was too. We're, you know, we're not just, you know, just visualize it and hope it's going to happen. It's, you know, take action too. But so that's how that came about. And she came to the second meeting we did in uh, Aspen, Colorado, and she was able to, to then film all 33 people for the movie in one spot that way. So it was, it was a more efficient. She could fly her team into one spot and get them all while they're in a meeting and film them for the next three days. Wow. So we got a lot of filming done in one location for that movie. It's a very brilliant maneuver on her part. What? Um, so overall, that that movie and the book, The Secret, really just talks about the concept of manifestation, the concept of the law of attraction, but doesn't get into a lot of the tactics and how to do it. Do you feel like the movie stopped too short and left the ba a bad impression about it? As I had when it first came out. I mean, honestly, I admitted that earlier. I had a bad impression. Do you think the movie stopped too short and had a bad impression? Or do you think it did what it was intended to do? What, what are your thoughts? Well, originally the movie wasn't going to be the, what, it, you, what everybody saw. It was going to be a two-hour primetime television system starting on Channel 9 in Melbourne, Australia. And then it was going to try to be put on different locations around the world. But they had scheduled it on a certain date. And then what happened, the Commonwealth Games got that date, outpaid them and deleted her show. <laughs> so she went to DVD and then they did a brilliant maneuvering and marketing gimmick on uh, on DVD. I mean, they, they just went blasting across the world with DVD, the Vetus DVD process. And... Um, when they did, they had to redo the movie. The original movie, there's a commercial in Melbourne that I was in. It was me speed reading this text. And it was talking about finding the secrets of the universe kind of thing. And it was a much deeper exploration. But then what they realized when they went to DVD, went to mass market, they decided we're going to take all the speakers because it was originally going to be two hours and then two hours on the other speakers. There was only going to be six speakers originally in it. But they then combined it all, watered it down, simplified it, made it more user-friendly for the masses, and went out DVD. It was not, that was not the original version. There were, there were two or three versions. And then that one is the one that hit the pulse of the masses. 
So it wasn't deep. It would water down and a lot of stuff. You can't get it all in there. I mean, you, filming 33 people for five hours or seven hours, that's a lot to delete. Yeah. So they got it down and watered it down. And when I first saw The Secret, I saw it in Melbourne. In fact, uh, Rhonda came to my Breakthrough Experience program, one of my signature programs. And uh, at first, I was a little kind of disappointed. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't very deep. It was just kind of a superficial thing, much less than what I was expecting. But I really realized it met people at their world. And so just because I've been doing this for many years, the, 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 somebody who's not been doing this, this is exactly where they needed to be. The, the movie hit the pulse. Yeah. So I think most of the speakers on there were, were doing programs, the secret behind the secret left out of the secret. Because <laughs> we wanted to say more. We were wanting to say more about it. But, um, but it, it really pulsed the, me, the, the world. And by God, it went to every country around the world. It went to billion people. But, but, you know, I think everybody wanted to add more to it. And so we did. Each of us in our own way went out and did more and tried to add more to it. Yeah. And it didn't really emphasize a lot of depth, but you can't in an hour and a half. You got to reach the people where they are to just set a seed that you have capacity to do something with your life. And I think it worked in that respect. Well, and I but there's think, way more to it the movie shows. Well, and I, I think I think that that explanation certainly makes a lot of sense to me as someone who is studying the concept of the law of attraction and and what what that means. When I went back and watched it, I too was probably further down the road than where I would have been had I watched it in 2006 when it first came out, 2007, whenever that was. So thank you for that explanation. So I, I so my question for you is how did you make your money? Like you, you're a very wealthy guy you're selling around the world. You got a ship called the world. You're, you're changing people's lives all over the world at every port of call that you go to. You're doing these conferences, you're doing talks, you're helping people. Did you do it simply through that process of taking your message and that just, it just sold and sold and sold? Or was there other ways that you did it? What's the secret to, to Dr. Martini's ability to build the wealth and continue to live your legacy, to live out that purpose? You know, my first student, uh, I was studying in a library at a junior college where I first started to go to school at 18. And a 375-pound Afro-American woman saw me doing yoga at a break from reading. And uh, she said, can you teach me that? And I looked up at her and I said, hey, no way in my head. And this <laughs> giant woman... And I was the skinniest kid in the whole school. She was the largest, but she really wanted to learn and she was a great spirit. And that was my first student. And I, you have no idea what it was like to have somebody want to learn from you. From me. Can you, you know, it's like, what? You want to learn from me? That was so meaningful to me. And then I was meditating outside and I had this Persian gentleman watching me while I was eating his lunch wanting to know how I was doing a meditation and imagining myself in ice, even though it was 100 degree weather outside, to see if I could overcome my sensory perceptions. And he said, can you teach me that? So that was my second student. And then about another week later, 17 kids got out of a class and came in the library and asked if I could tutor them on math, because I was learning how to do math. And my, my, I had 17 students. And that was the first time somebody whispered to another guy and said, that Martini is a freaking genius. And I thought, wow, that little statement is somehow making a difference in my life. 
And that night I went home and put a 23 page list of internal dialogues that I said to myself, I still have it on my computer to this day. A 23 page list of statements that I wanted to say to myself for the rest of my life. It's, I mean, I can go all day long. It's 24 hours of nonstop internal dialogue. Because I thought if one statement can make a difference like that, what would happen if I filled a complete day and just kept reciting one, one after another exactly how I wanted my life? So I've got that still on my computer today. I can pull it up. And it's, it's a doozy. And I've tweaked it and refined it as I've learned more about myself. But I started having more students come. By the time I went on to the University of Houston, I started doing yoga under these trees in this park area at the university. And people were curious about this hippie looking guy that was, you know, doing yoga. That wasn't popular in 70, you know, 73, 74, not a lot of, not in Houston anyway. And they gather and they start asking questions. So I started having classes under the trees at the University of Houston. If it rained, I went in the cafeteria and they followed me there. And I'd have 100, 150, up to 400 people a day gathered under the trees. So, and what's interesting is right where I was today is the Bauer School of Entrepreneurship, which one of my students founded. So that I got to be honored at that school. And I told the people at the school that this is the spot. where I used to teach. They built a building on that spot, which was inspiring. I went on to professional school and I taught seven days a week in my apartment. I got up at two in the morning and did meditation. And then I sped read, because by then I was speed reading. I was able to just absorb information. I, and I started speed reading and I started reading four to seven books each morning and then that night, I would do a presentation in my apartment on those four books, five books. And, uh, and I did that every night because I learned that the sooner I give out information that I learn, the more I retain it, the longer I retain it. Yeah. And I was learning how to have unconscious memory by photographic reading. And so I was adding more to that and teaching that. And then when I graduated, they asked me to speak at the graduation because I had the top grades and the top clinical honors. And then when I went out into practice, I taught every night. And then I got a TV show and a radio show. And I started doing that in 1982. And then that led to speaking at a conference and then another conference and another conference and then finally international. And I just never stopped. I, I, I can't say there's any magic to me other than I have had a relentless pursuit of researching and teaching for the last 50 years. There's nothing more meaningful to me than those two things. I can see again the uh, the emotion of uh, of how how real that is to you, and I appreciate you sharing that story. So let's let's take a turn for the remaining time that we've got together in our our show today, and talk about the power of manifestation. To talk about the power of affirmations. I mean, obviously, you you saying that thing that Paul Bragg told you that I'm a genius. Um, you know what. Tell, tell everybody the secret to that. What is the power of that? How does that work? And, uh, and what are some well, practical ways to apply it? Your brain, most scientists think the brain is geared for survival. 
a subcortical area of the amygdala is basically trying to avoid predator and seek prey, and it's trying to survive by getting food and not being eaten. And that's true. We have a subcortical area of the brain. That's true. But that's not the whole truth. And I, I debate with scientists sometimes on this because they're, I've been studying and teaching neurology since I was 23. And that's not the whole story. But that's the majority of people. That's mass consciousness, survival. But there are people in gradations, fewer in number, greater in consciousness, that work from their executive center, work from their forebrain, work from foresight, and utilize the advanced part of the brain, which is for strategic planning, inspired vision, spontaneous actions to fulfill the, the plan, and self-governance. And that's the one that supersedes the subconsciously stored impulses and instincts of the amygdala and the lower brain function. This is the one that allows you to master your life. And that part of the brain is doing everything it can. All your sensory information is going up, ascending up the tracks, going into the thalamus, the relay station, into the cortex. And that thalamus is a gatekeeper, is a filter, and it filters out anything that is superfluous and it takes out the priorities and allows you to see what's really most important to you. As long as you're setting a goal that's congruent with what you truly value intrinsically most. And if you're not setting a goal that's so spontaneously inspiring to you, you're going to have internal conflicts. And it, everybody has a set of priorities and values in life. Whenever you're living by the highest value, your self-worth goes up. You activate the forebrain. Whenever you're living, trying to live by lower values, which are usually injected values from outer authorities that you fantasize that you want to be like, the, then you're in the lower amygdala. And there you're into impulses and instincts and distractions instead of an inspiration. But the moment you live congruently according to what you truly value, what you're truly intrinsically inspired by, you electrify the forebrain, you see a vision from V5, V6 associative areas in the occipital cortex, and it lights up, and you see a vision, and that vision is clear, and you can fluently articulate that vision because it's so clear. It can come out of you faster than you do because you're, that vision has all the words for it. And you feel inspired, you feel grateful, you feel love, you feel uh, uh, an enthusiasm. You're certain about where you're going and you're present with it. You're not distracted by the amygdala. And that is powerful. That's where you're, what you think about, your innermost dominant thought becomes your outermost tangible reality. And that thought is an expression of what you value most. You will automatically see it in your mind's eye. You will automatically be able to articulate it as a message for the world. You will automatically feel the six transcendental feelings of gratitude, love, inspiration, enthusiasm, certainty, and presence. And you will spontaneously take actions on it and build incremental momentum because of strategic planning to go and get that thing done. And you'll magnetize people, places, things, ideas, and events in your life automatically because people want to be around people who are authentic. They want to be around people that are inspired. And so you'll draw people to assist you on your vision. And then this is the... This is just brain physiology, and you automatically filter things. You know, a, a mother is highest values uh, her children, and she's 35, and she has three beautiful children under the age of five. When she walks in a mall, she will spot children's clothes, children's items, health items, entertainment, whatever it takes for those children. An entrepreneur will walk in that same mall, same mall and even though they may have children, if it's not their highest values, they won't see that. They're going to see bookstores. They're going to see computer stores. They're going to see suit stores. They're going to see whatever it allows them to excel in what's highest on their value. So we're automatically selectively biasing our attention 
to the things that are most meaningful to us if we're living congruently by our highest values. And that gives us a competitive advantage and allows us to literally build up such a momentum that we're unstoppable in the achievement of what's inside our heart that we want to bring to the world. Wow. So from a practical standpoint, as, as someone commits to thinking higher, uh, thinking more deeply, I guess you could say, about what it is that we want to see accomplished and we start doing these affirmations as you did early in your teens, how, practically, how long should it take before we begin to realize the differences? I mean, if someone's really, truly committed to this, how long does it normally take them? You've been teaching this for a long time. Surely there's kind of rules of thumb. You say, hey, if you commit to this, you should start seeing activity happen and changing. Well, the power is not in just the words that you write down and say. The power is the degree of congruency that you have. Because if you're congruent, those words come out of you anyway. All you're doing is formalizing them into a clear picture. That's all. They come out of you anyway. You know, nobody has to motivate me extrinsically in order to teach, research, write, or travel. <laughs> I've been doing it all these years. I don't need motivation. I don't have, hey, John, time to get up, man. Oh, what day is it? Oh, it's time to do a seminar. Oh, I don't have that world. I'm inspired to do what I love doing, and I get to do it every day. And that's because of living by design. You either live by design or you live by duty. You either you take command of your life or other people run it. And in any area of your life, you don't empower other people who are going to overpower you. If you don't take command of what your thoughts are and, and your learning and your mental capacities, you're going to be told what to think. If you don't take command of your, 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 you know, what you want to do in your career, people are going to tell you what to do. If you don't empower yourself in finance, they'll tell you what you're worth. If you don't empower yourself in relationship, you're going to be doing honeydew stuff around the house that you could be delegating. If you don't empower yourself in social life, you're going to be told misinformation and propaganda. If you don't empower yourself physically, you're going to be told what drugs to take and organs to remove. You don't empower yourself spiritually, you're going to be taught in some sort of Aristotelian geocentric limited model of about the cosmos. But if you take command of what it is and take command and give yourself permission to stand out and not shrink and not to fit in and stand on the shoulders of giants and not sit in the shadows of anyone, you'll give yourself permission to go make a difference on the planet, which is what every human being wants to do. They want to make a difference. So how do you define the term success? If Dr. John D. Martini has to pull all of the years of science, neuroscience that you've been teaching, neurology, all of this, the power of the mind, what does the word success, how do you define that? I use, I don't use the word success, believe it or not that much. I, I use the word fulfillment. Um, I always say that success uh, can sometimes depurpose you the perception of success. It can be make, you can get cocky and proud and arrogant and think you've arrived at something usually means you have a small vision and little experience. When you think you've arrived, I'm successful. I'm leery about that. I'm, I'm more of a man on a mission uh, not a guy that wants to call him successful. Because when people say, well, you're successful, I said, no, I'm a man on a mission. I don't like to get distracted by the illusions of success and failure. But because the success, I, I always say depurpose is you. Failure makes you repurpose. And I'm interested in just being focused on purpose, my, my mission in life. And so I'm, I'm constantly grateful for the, the accomplishments on a daily basis. And I just keep moving forward. But I think that what people have called achievement, fulfillment, or success is individualized based on the hierarchy of values that they have and what's meaningful to them. If their highest value is raising a beautiful family of beautiful children, then them doing that is their achievement. That's their fulfillment in life. 
You know, Rose Kennedy, I, I was given a book from the Kennedy family, and in there it had her handwritten mission statement, Rose Kennedy from the Kennedy family. And it said this, I dedicate my life to raising a family of world leaders. That was her mission statement. Okay, she achieved that. So it's not always about business. It's not always about money. It's, it's not always about sports. It's whatever's deeply meaningful to you that you spontaneously can't wait to get up in the morning and do. And it's persisting on that and, uh, and fulfilling that. To me, achieving that is what some people have called success. But can I, get a, can I share a story, one last story that I think is maybe inf- cool on the word success? Absolutely. I had this doctor a number of years back. He comes up to me. He says, Dr. Martino, I want to hire you as a consultant. I said, okay. And I want you to make me a success. And I said, okay. I said, so the first, first session we're going to have is this one. Where are you a success? And he looked at me and he goes, uh, well, I'm not. I want to be a success. I said, so I'm going to ask you another question. Where are you as successful? He said, well, Dr. Martino, I'm not making myself clear. I'm not successful. I want to be successful. I said, I'm not making myself clear. I'm asking you a question. You said you want my help. Then answer my question. Where are you successful? Where are you achieving something you set out to achieve? And he stopped and he kind of went, okay, I have a magnificent wife I've been married to for over 10 years. And she's like in my heart that I, we have the most amazing relationship more than most people I've ever seen. I guess I have a great relationship. I guess that's an achievement of success. Fantastic. Where else are you successful? Okay. I have a son who's 10 years old and he's a baseball player and I'm the coach and we're going to win the pennant this year, I think. And I think that's, you know, we, and all the people look up to us when they, when we go out on that field, we, we, we're, we're hardworking. I said, great. What else is successful? Well, our, my mother-in-law lives with us and most people don't want to get their mother-in-law involved. And uh, she lives with us and she's the most amazing mom. And I think she's, she's just perfect to have around the house. She helps us with the kids and everything else. And that's more than most people ever get to have a great relationship with their mother-in-law. I said, what else is successful? Well, we got this beautiful yard and everybody in the family works on it. We all have flowers and we, we're going to get the yard of the, for the summer for sure. I said, where else is successful? He says, well, I do lay ministry for my church on Wednesdays and Sundays. And that was a dream since I was 20. And by God, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to do that. And I said, great. Now, let me explain something to you. You have achievements that you're doing, but you're thinking you're not successful only because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. Who are you comparing yourself to? He said, I guess that's true. I said, who is it? He said, there's a doctor up on top of this hill because he was a doctor too. Doctor on top, he's got this six car, this, this, this three car garage, 6,000 square foot home. He's got this big practice, everything else. He's, he's really amazing. He really, in, you know, done really well in his practice. I said, great. Do you know him really well? He's, yeah, I know him pretty good. He says, you know his wife and him? Yeah. He says, how's his relationship with his wife? Ooh, that's interesting you asked. I think they've divorced three times and remarried. They, they go, they're like cats and dogs fighting all the time. And I said, Okay, great. So you, what would you describe their relationship? Very volatile and a bit crazy. And they, sometimes it's embarrassing to be with them in public. And does he have a son? Yep. And how's his relationship with his son? How's his son doing? Well, that's interesting you asked that. He's, yeah, he's having problems in school and he's been doing drugs and 
they're having to counsel him and it just it's, it's a lot of stress and what about uh the mother-in-law oh they moved out of the country to get away from her <laughs> they don't he doesn't want to have her, her even around if the, the the wife goes anywhere she has to go visit her she he's not going to visit her and what about to the yard is he they do the work in the yard no they got people to do that i don't think they even notice their yard and what about their church is he is he go to church and do it no he's not much into that he's just focused on his business i said let me explain to you something this guy's not more successful than you as you like to put it he has a different set of values he has a high value on business and finance and a low value on spirituality and family and so he's manifesting according to the hierarchy of his values where he's achieving but he has areas that is low in his values where he's having chaos you're achieving in the high value on your family and your spirituality, and you don't have as high a value because you won't sacrifice your family for your business, which he's doing. So you have a high value on family, and that's where you have excellence and your spirituality. So you're not less successful. You just have a different form of success, and everybody has a, a form of their success, fulfillment, or achievement in their hierarchy of values. And if you don't know what those are and you try to set goals that aren't congruent with that, you're going to end up thinking that you're not successful because you're going to be a cat trying to swim like a fish or a fish trying to climb a tree like a cat instead of honoring who you are. And the magnificence who you are is far greater than the fantasies that you impose because of comparison of other people. He says, I think I got it. He said, but I really could use some extra income and, and get my practice going. I said, okay, are you willing to give up some of the attention to put some focus on that area? Because I can change your values and shift that and raise it up on the values. But at the same time, just know that you're going to end up putting energy there now and not over somewhere else. Now, unless we link those areas. So I showed him how to raise the value of business and finance. And I showed him how to make that link to his, his children, his spirituality and his wife. So he could increase that probability to empower more areas of his life. But he thought he wasn't successful because he was comparing himself to other people. And this is a very common thing that people do. The, uh, the, 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 the threat of comparison is a cancer to our mind, isn't it? it we, we are threatened yes, by the comparisons that we bring to other people. And I think your story probably better illustrates that than anything I could have said. And I, I appreciate that. That's a great way to, uh, to round out our conversation today. Well, Dr. John Mar uh, Demartini, I, I, it has been a, a joy to speak with you. Um, I'm really glad that we got to do this. I, I'm a bigger fan now after having this conversation than uh, than I was before. I definitely want to be in touch and see how that we might be able to stay in touch and do some things together because I really admire what you've built and I see the values that you have in your life and that you committed to that vision you had at 17 and you've seen that manifest and come into reality. And for that, I applaud you, sir. I think I, I, I consider you to be a successful person in the way that you would define it because you're living a fulfilled life. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I want to tell everybody Thank how you. to get in touch with you. You, you know, you can look him up on YouTube at the Dr. D Martini show, and you can look him up on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Dr. John D Martini everywhere. So he, any of those platforms, Dr. John D Martini. And if you've ever watched or read the secret, you know, you've seen his face and quotes in the book. You've seen him in the movie and uh, he's a phenomenal guy. So Dr. John D Martini, thank you for being here. I'm going to give you the last word before we sign off with the show today. Anything you would like to say, you may say it. Yeah. Whoever's listening out there, <laughs> Just know that the magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you impose on yourself. 
So give yourself permission to be the most authentic you. Everything in your life is pointing you in that direction. Every symptom in your body, every symptom in your business, every symptom in your psychology, every symptom in your sociology is going to point you back and try to get you to be the most authentic you where you have equanimity and equity with yourself and other people. Sustainable fair exchange from that state of mind is where the most explosive, most empowering achievements come from. So give yourself permission to be you. There's nothing greater than that. You don't want to be second to being anybody else. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. I hope to see you again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on the show. Wow. What a conversation. You know, normally at this time on a conversation, say, there you have it, another successful entrepreneur. And, and indeed, he is a successful entrepreneur. He's made multi-millions of dollars doing what he does as a teacher. But I think that there's something deeper here that we just witnessed. Dr. John Demartini is living his life's purpose. He's living out the fulfillment of his life from that vision that he had at age 17. And if you did, if you weren't watching this on YouTube, make sure you go to youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. You can find the playlist for the root of all success. And I want, he shows the picture that someone painted of that vision that he had at 17. And he shows that picture here in the video today. Uh, if you're listening to this, make sure you go do that. Now, this stuff that he talks about, I want you to go look him up at drdmartini.com. Start following his stuff on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Check him out. Let him know that you heard about him on the root of all success and tell him how important this is. Now, think about the stories that he told about his parents and about Paul C. Bragg and, and how those, those little things that may have seemed ins insignificant at the time completely formed and changed his life. Thank you for listening to this. I hope that this has been as a big encouragement to you as it has been to me. I told him post-show before I recorded this, that this was such an honor. And I hope that I can be able to be uh, a part of what he's building and maybe continue that legacy of teaching how our brains function and lead to the manifestation of success in our lives, as he refers to it as fulfillment. And I think that's a great definition of success. Now, before I sign off today, I do have an announcement to make, and I want to make sure you have uh, you listen to this. My book, The uh, Exit Without Exiting, which I'm showing right here for those of you that are watching this on the YouTube version, my book is now a number one international best-selling book. You can pick this up at therealjasonduncan.com slash book. There's information about the book. There's a video about why I wrote it, who I wrote it for, what you know, what you can expect after you read it. There's a place where you can pick up the book on Amazon. But this book has been the my my work over the last year, putting this book together of writing out three different stories. I tell the stories of Edward and Cheryl and James about how they went through the process of building, growing, scaling, and eventually exiting a company the pitfalls that they each encountered along the way and what happens if you implement the strategies that I teach as a business coach of delegation, stress elimination, establishing systems and processes about how to invest in people. This book gives it all. I actually go into every detail as deeply as possible in the book. It's about 216 pages. This is a book I want you to pick up. It is now a bestseller. I'm honored that so many people picked up a copy of the book in our first weekend of its launch. And uh, it is now officially an international, number one international best-selling book. So I'm honored. And thank you to my marketing team and all the folks that worked on this at Two Market Media and uh, Thriving Bestsellers. You guys have helped me out quite a bit. And I, I can't, I can't, I couldn't have done this 
without you. So thank you so much. So go pick this up, therealjasonduncan.com slash book. Tune in again next time when I talk to yet another very successful person about how he or she became successful and what that word success means to them. Until then, I am The Real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.